Coming up on the Assassin's Podcast, we've got my dear friend, John Fasoli, Chief Product Officer of MailChimp, to talk about all things related to his career journey, how he's thought about the opportunities that he's put his energy and time into and how he assesses those opportunities and decides to focus his energy. Uh, His experience running the largest acquisition that Intuit has ever made, the $12 billion acquisition of MailChimp and what it's been like running the product strategy for that team. Uh, We also talk a little bit more about what are some of the future growth drivers of Intuit and some of the industries of interest for Intuit. And then lastly, he shares a really powerful framework that founders can use called horizon planning that Intuit uses, but how early stage founders can use this to evaluate the progress they're making with their ventures. Really awesome pod. So without further ado, let's get into it. Assassins, let's do it. See them dollar signs, way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, engaged the game. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny, pocket change, one phone call. What's going on? It's your host, Justin Vandehey, here at the Assassin's Podcast. Every Friday, we have a guest on that talks about their journey going from zero to one and helping founders take their ventures from zero to one. This week, I have an incredible guest on. He is one of my homies from the early stages of our careers. He has a tremendous background across so many different functions from strategy to development, but I I consider him a a product assassin, which is what we're going to talk about here on this podcast. And so I wanted to welcome in John Fasoli, Chief Product Officer of MailChimp, now part of Intuit. Welcome, John. It's good to be here. Good to see you, my friend. (laughs) So first, I want to open it up. I'd love for you maybe if you wanted to do an intro on yourself, tell us where you hail from, what you're working on now. Um, I also want to get into a couple of other stories here, but yeah, I would love to just kick it off there. Yeah, for sure. Where I hail from, I actually grew up moving around a ton. So every, every year or two, the family would move all around the country, a couple of uh, stints outside of, um, of the U S but mostly a slow migration from East to West in the U S and just gearing up to move the family to Atlanta. So we're kind of going back to where. Uh, it all began for us. And my uh, my current gig is with the wonderful company uh, MailChimp, where I currently lead the uh, the product design and data science teams and the brilliant folks that are working on very critical and important growth tools for small businesses around the world. Very cool. John's also a pretty avid mountain biker. So just a quick story. <laughs> Uh, so we started our careers at Intuit together back in 2008, 2009. And so John and I, one weekend 
first weekend, I think in the Bay area, John's like, Hey man, let's, let's go on a mountain biking tour. And I've never been on a mountain bike. Don't really hadn't explored the Pacific Northwest. And so the first exposure was John taking us through the hills of the North Bay on this narrow ass trail, <laughs> the most intense mountain mountain bike experience where I managed to flip off the front of the mountain bike and roll through poison Oak. So that was like my introduction to extreme sports with John Fasoli. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the first, uh, first question I had for you is like, how is your mountain biking game coming along since we last, <laughs> we last connected? You know, I don't know if I would characterize myself as an avid mountain biker or more you as not a good mountain biker. <laughs> I, I think um, I think history has made this mountain biking adventure slightly more challenging than it actually was in uh, in real life. But my favorite part of that story is actually afterwards, you were very adamant on finding a hamburger for dinner and the only place that we could get into was this fancy Italian restaurant where you sat down in literally bleeding with like a t-shirt that was was cut and exposing a huge amount of your torso <laughs> and insisted on a hamburger when they refused to serve you it um, ordered meatballs and uh, dinner rolls and oh my that's god the, that's the crescendo of that story outside of you know you turning into Quasimodo from wow. that I forgot about that. You know, when you need a when you need a burger, though, you need one. You know, and I, I appreciate I appreciate the team support. Um, <laughs> all right, so subtle transition. Speaking of just like being in the smack dab of uh, interesting experiences, I I feel like since the earliest part of your career, you've just been in the middle of initiatives professionally that have been huge growth drivers. I think MailChimp for Intuit's obviously one, but I even think back to the early days when you were like one of the first PMs on the global team at Intuit and you were Intuit's one of their first mobile PMs. And I think actually even shipped the, their first iOS app thinking back that far. So I'd love to hear from you on how you think about evaluating the opportunities that you go after and the things that you choose to work on. Yeah. Um, yes, good question. The, I think very importantly up front, uh, I always like to acknowledge for myself and, and with others, just how lucky I've been along those various milestones. And it really, it starts significantly earlier than that. And I grew up in a position of lots of different privileges. One of which was my grandfather was one of like the early pioneers of like early computing. And so while my family was really never into like fancy food, fancy cars, fancy houses, anything like that. We always had very cool early tech in the house. And so I grew up breaking essentially a lot of early computers, a lot of like taking apart lots of different machines. And so I was lucky just along the way, almost every phase of my life to be in that, in the right moment at the right time. That's really the the predominant answer to the question. Within that, within those moments of time, if I think about what I inserted in that uh, opportunity, it's just extreme curiosity, kind of picked up from taking things apart as a kid. You, you mentioned a couple of examples. So when it came to mobile, for example, I was absolutely fascinated with this idea of being able to develop applications, 
on a device in your pocket, right? So we'd always had like the Palm Pilots and it killed me that you couldn't really create anything on the Palm Pilots. And then there was the the iPacks and Windows ME. And so uh, for for a long time, I was developing little tweaky things there. So when when it came to mobile and, and joining into it, it was just kind of natural gravitation and, and that natural passion led to, you know, me being uh, positioned to grab some opportunities and rapidly experiment with a bunch of stuff, most of which was was unsuccessful. On the global front, I had super early on had some exposure to payments, which is now something that a massive number of people understand the intricate details of payments. But at the time, it was a bit more niche of an industry. And I just went deep super deep on understanding every part of the system, how it worked, the people who were involved in it. I found it just uh, extremely fascinating. And then when at that time, when you got into payments, a lot of the really interesting technology was happening in Europe and in other parts of the world. I mean, you could argue a lot of the interesting things are still happening in other parts of the world, but um, that's how I got involved with global. So Intuit was starting to look at how to get involved with payments outside of the US where we already had a payment presence through an acquisition. And because I had that curiosity was maybe one or two steps ahead of the conversation. When the topic came up, I was in the room. I was lucky enough to be a part of that that group, but also consulted as someone who had the most context of the, of the folks I was working with. And so we wind up building a payments platform that we folded back into the US. And so mm-hmm. it was a little bit more future proof, more plug and play, and just have an extreme amount of stressful fun, you know, stressful in that we we're working towards like getting something out with extreme deadlines. But the underpinnings of it was just curiosity in terms of understanding how things work. And, you know, now with with MailChimp and, you know, with my role. It obviously would be super obnoxious if like I was up in everybody's business understanding how everyone's system worked across the board. But you know, over time that same curiosity took on a, a different form of understanding like what is someone's career aspirations? Like what are they really good at? What are they not good at? What do they say that their aspirations are, but they're really not good at, it, right? Like there's really kind of discrepancy between like the the heart and the mind so that that curiosity continues to be kind of the common theme for me and i every time i stop chasing it and i start thinking through chasing like a big industry opportunity or a big personal outcome it just takes me down uh the wrong path so yeah i i've been chasing it and that's uh why i'm lucky enough to be here I love that. I think it's, you hit it on the head. It's like that level of curiosity almost puts you in the position by having such a tremendous amount of domain expertise and take the role. Um, as a follow-up question to that, you hit on the, the transition to MailChimp. That is into its largest acquisition to date. What has that experience been like running the product strategy for that team? I know it's a pretty recent change, but I, you, you alluded to a couple things that have been, uh, you know, interesting insights in the beginning, but I'd love to hear how that's been so far. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been a great experience, a really good growth experience for me. You know, I, I have been, 
I do a bunch of work with different uh, companies out, outside of, of Intuit, but generally speaking, you know, I've been at Intuit for so long that people check my armpits for cobwebs. You know? <laughs> and, and so there's an element of just assuming that like this is some this is how it may work everywhere, right? Or or some some methodology and, and how the world works. And it's it, it's the equivalent uh, for me of really like traveling to another country and really challenging some of those assumptions, meeting some incredible people, getting exposure to new parts of the culture and new ways of of working. And so it's been it's been really eye-opening. And at the same time, it gives you that contrast to take a look back at where you're coming from and, and where things are are better and where we should import some of those those opportunities. Um, the good news is that the the Mailchimp team is just an absolutely brilliant team, and they come with that same curiosity and learning mindset. So, what I've been really pleasantly—I uh, shouldn't say surprised—but um, but what's been a pleasant experience for me is that constructive desire to improve. And so, uh, we've been able to kind of blend blend those two worlds together. But you know, I've I've probably well, I can't count on my fingers or toes the number of mistakes that I made coming in and one of the one of the big ones is just being curious only curious for too long i kind of intended to come in take my 90 days to get get a footing and you know i i think the the books and you know uh, medium articles they always talk about the intentionality of that 90 days and i came in with a really highly intentional plan but the important thing i learned is like if you don't have 90 days, you don't have 90 days. Like the, yeah. you don't just get it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so that there is definitely some, some improvement to kind of step, step away from the academics and kind of like look at the cards on the table and make some, you know, big decisions faster that I yeah. would have changed. On a related note there, obviously MailChimp is going to be a huge growth driver for Intuit. Uh, what do you see as like other areas of interest? Or I know you mentioned you also spent some time with quite a few other companies. Like, what do you think are potential? Are there big potential growth drivers or opportunities you see on the horizon for for Intuit? For Intuit in general, like the the entirety of the company. Yeah, just like more broadly across diff- the different spaces that they play in. Yeah, yeah. Which which really cool is in, Intuit's entering a chapter where we're really branching out from the core. Uh, you know, genetics of the company, which were oriented around just compliance or just tax related products. And you can start to see that with uh, the credit karma acquisition, with the Bailchimp acquisition, the the mission of Intuit is a power prosperity around the world. It's a pretty broad stroke. And, you know, as a, as a company, as we look at um, partnership acquisition opportunities, really that's the criteria that we use is that it needs to align to our mission and, that mission overlaps with our core competencies with, you know, financial outcomes as one big measure, but prosperity can mean, mean many things. And so we are with MailChimp, for example, moving into spaces that go far beyond just business finances. They may show up as a financial outcome on the other side, but there is so much surface area when it comes to helping small businesses grow their customers that has very little to do upfront with the finances that 
that we are both building, partnering, and potentially acquiring in the future. Similarly, on the, on the consumer front, if you look at some of the innovation the Credit Karma team is driving around getting into the uh, financial identity space, helping to connect consumers with financial instruments, both ones that we've created and ones that others have created, you, know, you, can, you can start to see how we are leveraging the kind of competitive advantage as, as a company and, and the things that we have core competencies in, but starting to move into new spaces that are aligned with that mission. Hmm. Very cool. So this podcast is about, again, helping founders go from zero to one. I would love to hear maybe one or two things that you'd share with founders on the earlier part of the journey that you think would be helpful as they're getting their venture off the ground to make that jump from zero to one. Yeah, totally. I mean, I will affectionately steal this from Intuit <laughs> and just, you remember the, the horizon planning, like the horizon one, two, and three. Um, if for context, horizon three is around finding product market fit, horizon two is around customer growth and horizon one is around revenue growth. And so where I like when I work with uh, early stage startups and folks who are looking to start companies, I always will orient them to the succession moment. So this transitions between an H3 and an H2 specifically, sometimes between H2 and H1, if we're getting like way out ahead of how do you monetize. But generally speaking from H3, which is around that product market fit and H2, which is around customer growth, when you scale customer growth, the, the most constructive conversations I have are around how you would measure success at scale, right? And then how, as an H3, do you narrow the segment of customers you're going after and hold yourself accountable to hitting those succession metrics with narrow, within a very narrow segment? And if you can't get to those metrics with the most narrow of segments that you'd be willing to scale, then you kill it. Hmm. Similarly... Um, or not, not similarly, but in addition to that, the thing I like about the horizon planning is it includes planning. You have to time bound the exercise. There are so many folks I've worked with that will just stay in that trying to find product market fit phase for the, in for, for years. Right. And for, for the lifespan of their entire company without making the call early. And so if you time bound it, it really forces you to get scrappy around dramatic testing that will allow you to succeed, kind of move into that H2 of scaling hmm. or come up with something different. Yeah. But what you definitely never want to do, and I know you've seen this a lot, Justin, too, is um, buy your way into H2, right? Spend a huge amount of money trying to scale customers until you've hit the your H3 succession metrics. Yeah. Yeah. And burn through everything that you've raised to try to get escape velocity. Cause I think that's, yeah, what we're seeing now with so many companies is you try to buy your way through PM fit and the vanity metrics are there. And before you know it, the, the sizzle wears away and there's nothing left, <laughs> but the yeah, bottom. Totally. Totally. Um, and you never proved it even with the narrow audience, you know, you never, yeah, you never quite got there. Yep. Yeah. This was great. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I wanted to just close it out, man. Is there is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, you know, the only thing I want to plug is is 
I think just what you're you're trying to do here, Justin, the um I think that there's an absence of like real conversation um versus the kind of retrospectively rosy colored lenses when we think about the early stage ideation, starting companies, starting initiatives within larger companies. And so I'm not plugging anything for myself, man. I'm just, I'm here to, it's wonderful to see you and it's wonderful what you're doing here. And I really hope it's, it's successful and that we can talk again sometime. I appreciate you brother. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on and we'll definitely have you back on the pod here in uh, not too long. I want to hear how things are going in Atlanta once you guys get settled. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. All right. That's a wrap. Man, big shout out to John Fasoli. That was an awesome pod. Super useful hearing about quite a few of the different frameworks that he uses to assess the opportunities that he goes after that founders can use and apply. Uh, We got a big week coming up here uh, at the Assassin's Podcast. Awesome episode coming up. It's actually one of our first investors, one of Disco's first investors coming on. He's also a pretty big smartass, so there's the likelihood that he just makes fun of me for an entire hour, but you're going to want to tune into that for sure. Um, We did a couple new content pieces that are up as well, so go ahead and check those out on the site. And until we connect again, keep hustling and keep getting that grind. See them dollar signs, hustle, grind. Real, you do.